I'm only going to speak for just a few moments. And uh, you guys can be seated for just a second. You can bring the lights up a little bit. I brought out my big family Bible. This is the big dog. This actually belonged to my great, great, great grandfather. I think I missed a great in there. Early 1800s. It's our family Bible. I keep spinning the pages hoping I'll find a savings bond. You guys don't know what that is. Uh, from 18. I even I said, Lord, I need money. And I said, I'm going to open up to the page where Malachi is. I said, I'm believing for a $50 savings bond from 1812 that is now worth, you know, $39 trillion. But so I keep flipping the pages looking for that savings bond in this thing. But Great to see everybody here. Great to see everybody here today. And this day is kind of dedicated to worship to the Lord. I just got something very brief I want to bring to you. Uh, First of all, uh, honestly, the reason I'm bringing up this Bible is because I want to have a living metaphor that I believe uh, that the Word of God needs to become much bigger in our life than we have ever dreamed it it being before. And I, I want this big Bible to represent the big message today that I've got to reset my life around God's word. First of all, I just want to apologize to everybody in this room that's in college, it's young, because everybody my age has lost their minds. And I want to ask your forgiveness from my generation. We've lost our minds. And I just want to tell you I'm sorry from the depth of my soul that your fathers and your mothers and your grandfathers and your grandmothers, your spiritual fathers, earthly leaders have lost their minds in many ways. Now that doesn't give you an out to say, well, I'm not going to listen to anybody other than my peer group. You do that, you've made a fatal mistake. Trust me, you just got to be more discerning about who you're allowing into your life. That doesn't mean we live uh, cautious and cancel everything around us that doesn't, that challenges us or corrects us. Oh, I feel corrected. Cancel. No, don't do that. I'm, I'm asking you to be discerning, not canceling friends. Don't buy into that as well. Thank you so much. I didn't know if that was clutter, a bomb, or what that was right there. Thank you so much, Todd, for throwing yourself on the clutter right there. I appreciate that a great deal. Um, all seriousness. Um, I just, I just want to tell you how proud I am of you coming back to college. You know, we're living in the times, friends, where I think the Lord dropped this in my heart last night. We had a powerful a pop-up prayer meeting last night with about 15 of us in Anderson Chapel last night. Some guys called me up and said, hey, listen, President, are you available? We just want to pray. Man, two hours later, man, the Holy Spirit just fell in in the chapel last night uh, in a way that I didn't see coming. And like everything pivoted because of a prayer meeting. Everything pivoted because of the presence of the Lord. Everything pivots. It can happen in a chapel like this today. Your mindset just kind of gets reset and reattached and grafted into God's word in our life. But I think right now we're trying to insert ourselves into every story. Christians are always gullible with this. I've been reading in the Old Testament. I'm watching the Assyrians fight the Babylonians and I'm trying to find the Christian in the story. And I think we're looking at our world right now. We're trying to find what is good versus evil. It might be evil versus evil, friends. The Babylonians are battling the Egyptians and the Egyptians are battling the Assyrians. Israel's kind of has this engaged detachment 
over here not being drawn into the Assyrians, the Babylonians, and the Egyptians, friends. So we got to use great discernment in these times. And I just have really found in my own heart a leaning in uh, to the Lord to say, I- I'm, I'm addressing all the intimacy questions with God in myself right now. Even at this stage of leadership at 58, I'm um, saying, Lord, I- I'm going to press into you and uh, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be paralyzed. Psalms 143 says that I was paralyzed with fear. Literally means I became frozen. I didn't know what my next set of emotions were going to be. My next move was going to be because of the world around me. I became just literally frozen in time. But David said, I lifted up my hands and I lifted up my worship to the Lord. And all the warmth and all the movement uh, was restored. The paralysis was lifted. So I'm not going to live as a paralyzed leader in these times, friends. I don't care what the Assyrians and the Babylonians are doing to each other out there. I want to know the Lord, know his people. And uh, trust the Lord to show up in the midnight hour. The Lord sent an angel one night and wiped out 185,000 Assyrians with an angel. Didn't even need the people of God. The Lord has all of this under control. He has our country. He has the church. I'm trusting him right now like I have never trusted him before. So I want to give you real fast. I think the most critical dashboard I ever discovered in my life out of 2 Timothy 4 is we start this semester. I just want to reiterate something. I shared this two years ago, and I want to reset it just for the next about three to four minutes. Here in the big Bible, 2 Timothy chapter 4, uh, beginning at verse um, 11 through 13. Make sure I got my right. Wait, 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 wait. Am I in Titus? Where am I at here? Here we go, here we go, here we go. It's up on the screen right here. Nope, that's the wrong, wrong, wrong version. Here's what it says. Paul says this. this is, I needed 2 Timothy. Uh, I probably sent the wrong one. Please forgive me. That's my error. Um, Paul says this. He says, um, he goes, only Luke is with me. When you come, I want you to bring John Mark. He said, when you come, he goes, um, bring John Mark because... Tychukos, which is this cool little name of a man, he said, I have sent him to Ephesus. Now, Paul's in prison. He cannot be two places at the same time. So he said, I've sent Tychukos to Ephesus. Major city, major assignment, major ministry move to send this guy there. He said, when you come, can you bring my coat or my overcoat? Why? Because it was winter. He said, when you come, can you also bring the books? And then can you especially bring the parchments? It's like some throwaway verses at the end of a little Pauline letter. We kind of read it, but it doesn't register. I want this to register today. Because this is what I call the big five. This is the five right here. When you come, I want you to bring John Mark. He said when you, he goes, Tychukos, I sent to Ephesus. Can you bring my coat, the books, and the parchments? The big five are right there, friends. That has been my dashboard that the Holy Spirit is used to bring me back to what's important in the priorities of my life as a Christ follower, as a Holy Ghost, Pentecostal, Holy Ghost, Spirit-filled Christ follower, to say, Jesus, what matters most in my life is I develop, not deteriorate. Because under pressure, one of two things is going to happen. You're going to develop or you're going to deteriorate. Now, I'm watching a bunch of people my age in their 50s and 60s flat out collapse and deteriorate. I feel like Caleb going through the wilderness, watching my entire generation go off the cliff with negativity, eyes on the wrong thing. 
looking for human, the human scepter and power, not God's power in their life. But now I'm watching your generation deteriorate in many ways that I used to see 40, 50, and 60-year-olds deteriorate. You've got you've to make a determination at the beginning of this semester. I am going to develop. I am not going to deteriorate. And if I'm the only Christian in the room, and if I'm the only one taking the Lord serious in my setting, I am going to develop. I am not going to deteriorate. No matter what my close friends around me, no matter what happens to their life, I'm going to give you five words. Put them up on the screen. I think there's one more slide up there. Right there. Here, I call this the five. Here we are. These are five fresh words for you. Buoyancy, kinship, spanning, animation, and thirst. If I was to develop my framework, my theoretical perspective and framework, my outlook, how I see things, and then how I organize and strategize and explain things. Here's my five right here, born out of my Christian faith from age 20 to age 58. These are my five. Buoyancy. The Apostle Paul said, when you come, bring John Mark. John Mark and him had a falling out that was vivid, out in the open, headlines. It's, it's chronicled well in the book of Acts. John Mark bailed on the first missionary journey Paul took it as a personal offense and he refused to let John Mark back on the team when they went on missionary journey number two. For many years, they had nothing to do with each other. Everybody organized themselves around the feud between Paul and John Mark. Barnabas and Silas had to organize their life to always mitigate the feud that was between these two people. John Mark was young, Paul was seasoned, He was on fire, but he was on fire in a good way, but also in a poor way. Very sharp with people. Cut him off. Cancel culture, cancel culture, cancel culture. John Mark's done. He had one shot. He blew it. He's done. Now you see a seasoned Apostle Paul. He's in prison. End of his ministry. A warmth has returned. A rationale has returned. He's interpreting his world through the lens of the kingdom, not through cancel culture. And he says, hey, when you come, can you bring John Mark? He's useful to us. I love when the apostle Paul writes to to Philemon, the letter, about Onesimus. He said, this guy was useless to you, now he's useful. And that's really what this journey is about, going from useless to useful. Now the Bible says, He's useful to me. He was buoyant. He allowed himself to experience a comeback. Not just just in his giftings, in his talent, his opportunity, but he was buoyant, man. He could absorb a crisis of relationship and not lose his shape. This characteristic of buoyancy is going to, it has to mark your life in leadership. If you lose your buoyancy, the ability to absorb something difficult, but then to restore and resume your shape, your purpose, and your mission. If you can't do that, it's done. It's done. Too much hitness from all sides. So you got to let a warmth of the kingdom fill your heart that broken relationships can be fully resurrected. Not so you're not derogatory toward each other, but that you uplift people that at one time you wanted nothing to do with. 
That's the buoyant life. The second thing is this unbelievable word called kinship. He said, Tychukos, I sent to Ephesus. The Apostle Paul couldn't be two places at the same time. He was willing to give away a major portion of ministry to somebody else. Kinship means that we have a blood affection toward one another, though we're not of the same blood. To have kin means that I treat you like family, though the science of our origin doesn't make us family, but the affection of my love for you does. I can release and celebrate. I told Genesis this in the cafe. I've been wanting to tell her this for two years. You know, last year the song, You Will Be Our God. Man, it's phenomenal. I played it for somebody yesterday. I played it all the time for people. I said, I want to see this young lady here, this talent. I didn't even know she sang for the first year she was in this school. I didn't even know she had that gift. Because the year before, we recorded a song called Breath of Heaven. And there's a little clip in the video of... Genesis, you're right down here and you're worshiping your guts out to somebody else's worship leadership. So the next year when I saw her gift revealed, I said, I can, I, I can trust that person because I saw something. I noticed, it's always noticeable, that kind of stuff. I want people to notice that kind of kingdom operating in me as well. I want to be able to release Tychukos to Ephesus. Yeah, I, f- I physically can't be two places. I get it. But he with joy sent this leader to a major city, released and resourced them. We have to see each other as necessary and gifted to the kingdom. There has to be a kinship between us that we feel like family, like the bloodline flows between us as believers. He said, when you come, can you bring my coat? I want to introduce the word called spanning. Spanning, yeah. It's a term for a bridge that reaches from this part of the land to that part of the land. It reaches if, 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 you're, if you're climbing in the mountains and there's a crevasse that is 12 feet across and you can only jump 10, you might as well have only been able to jump two because you didn't span it. What, what's the spanning principle? When you come, can you bring my coat? I need to keep living and fulfill my life from the point of origin to the point of purpose. See, we have a point of origin, our calling, and then we have a point of destiny. And we have to span that space. And it only happens when we take care of ourselves with well-being, emotionally, physically, spiritually. You cannot span the gap between where this whole thing starts in your life and where God intends for it to be completed. If the bridge doesn't go all the way across the bay, if it doesn't span the gap from this to that, then the bridge has failed. I want my life, when God called me, before I was born in my mother's womb, he put stuff on my life. He spoke things over my life. He intended things for my life. I became fully aware of that when I was 18 as best I could. But from that point of origin to the point of my final breath, giving him praise and fulfilling my ministry and my purpose on this earth. I have to span that. He said, when you come, can you bring my coat? I've raised people from the dead, but if I don't take care of myself, I'll get sick and die. I want to live the full longevity and productivity of my life. You're at the front side. You're, you're spanning from the point of origin right now, most of you in this room. Some of us are looking more toward spanning and reaching the point of destiny in our life. 
but we have to bridge it. But if I don't care for myself, if I don't put my coat on in winter, I'll never make it through the wilderness. I'll never make it through the winter team. Spanning. The fourth word is animation. He said, when you come, bring the books. These books were like the books that are in your hands right now. These books were making him fully alive. He came to a fully animated, fully alive, fully expressed life, which means he's maximizing every ounce of his intellectual capacity. Paul was reading books. This wasn't the scripture that's coming. These were books that enlarged his intellect, expanded his mind. It wasn't garbage that he was putting into his head. He was putting things in there that mattered. And Paul was living a fully animated life all the way to his second imprisonment, his second incarceration. He was reading books. When you come, bring the books. Animation is living the the fully realized life so that every gift and talent that you have has been fully animated and becomes fully alive. You stop reading, you stop pressing, you stop learning. Your animation is going to diminish. In the last part of the dashboard, we're going to worship. You can stand here. Let's stand together. It's what David said in Psalms 143. He said, I began to thirst for your presence like a parched land. Paul said, when you come, especially bring the parchments. This was scripture. Most scholars believe it was scripture that he was working on. Scripture that had been completed. But this was, it was written on, even on a different kind of element that separated it from books. The parchment had a sacredness, a preciousness, a endurance but also a vulnerability to even what it was written on there was something different about the parchment from the book this was scripture the fifth part of my dashboard has been this spiritual vitality that the lord introduced me to when i was 18 where for the first time in my life i lifted my hands in worship without being told the first time i began to sing without being told. The atmosphere, I was able to recognize leadership without it having to coerce me. I became responsive to the Lord, which is the Holy Spirit in my life. I've been asking the Lord, what does revival look like on a university campus in America? What could it look like? Because I don't know of one happening. I really believe, I forget when it was, when. Mother Tennyson, Martha Tennyson was here. He gave us a glimpse of his presence, but it's only in response to our thirst for the Lord. For the rest of this semester, for the rest of your life, I pray a spirit of buoyancy, kinship, spanning, animation, and thirst. Second Timothy chapter 4, 11 through 13 would fill your life. We are off to a great start because we're lifting up Jesus and we're letting his word fill our heart and our soul. Mrs. H and I love you so much and we're so proud of you. We're so proud of you. It's the greatest Christian university in America is in downtown Minneapolis. And I believe that with all of my soul. Let's just turn our heart back to Jesus and let's just allow God's word to become real to you. We love you.